You are now listening to The Shyest Podcast, when millions of opinions just aren't enough. Buffalo Bills blew a 17-point lead at home to the Vikings to lose in overtime 33-30, and now it's time for my Buffalo Blues. Hello, everybody. That game was a tough one for Bills Mafia, for sure. I feel like I need some more somber music for this episode, but I do like this music. It lifts me up, and I'm still looking forward. You know, there there's a lot of stuff that went wrong in this game, and we'll get into that, but, you know, at 6-3, and three, the season is a long way from over, and just got to stay the course. I mean, obviously some things have to change some mistakes are getting repeatedly made which is never a good sign but I do believe that this team is capable of winning a Super Bowl and if they get their shit together they'll be fine that is obviously easier said than done because here we are in the middle of the season again and Kind of going through the same doldrums. The uh, run defense not holding up well enough. Josh getting sacked too much. Mistakes, turnovers, etc. And at this point last season, through week 10, I think the Bills were also 6-3. and three. The difference is now the division picture is much more dangerous for the Bills, but... At the end of the day, I'm not ultimately too worried about the division. I mean, at 6-3, and three, they're a half game back. There's a lot of time left. They still play New England twice. The Jets and the Dolphins still have to go to Buffalo later in the year. So I think they'll be in a position where they still can control their own destiny. But one way to you know shoot yourselves in the foot in the pursuit of that division championship is to blow 17 point leads at home. There was obviously a lot of drama surrounding Josh Allen's elbow health leading into this game. And it got to the point where I guess he was practicing maybe in secret and then ran off the field uh, when the cameras caught him and it was still kind of up in the air of whether or not he was gonna start. Uh, And I don't know if this was gamesmanship by the Bills trying to maybe get the Vikings to be underprepared for Allen or if it really was something where they weren't going to know until the last possible second whether or not he could start. And the good news is his arm looked mostly okay. And he and the coaches must have thought that he was good to go or at least didn't have any concerns because their first possession of the game they start with the ball and he throws three straight passes and they go three and out so you know the result of that was I think a net of two yards they had a screen pass for minus four and then a gain of six and then an incomplete so on the bright side you know I think looking at that opening series they wanted to make sure that he had the confidence you know they wanted to get him some easy completion some easy throws just to make sure that if he's going to be out there and they're going to ask him to throw that it's going to be a situation where he doesn't necessarily feel apprehensive about having to throw the football. Uh, after that three and out, they did get scored on by the Vikings. And, you know, like we've seen in many Vikings games, they come out and on their first drive, like you got to deal with all the different things that they have to threaten you with. And Justin Jefferson is a huge threat. And, he 
he went to work and uh, hauled in a 46 yarder on that drive and then hauled in a 22 yard touchdown. So just in that one drive, he's already establishing that he's going to be a problem the whole afternoon. And this was a game where Jordan Poyer was out. Tredavious White was not healthy and back in the lineup yet. Kair Elam was out as well. Uh, DeMar Hamlin had replaced Jaquan Johnson at free safety. Cam Lewis was playing for Poyer at strong safety. So realistically, besides uh, Terran Johnson, the Bills didn't have any of their secondary starters from last season in this game. I mean, you could argue Dane Jackson was a starter, and he did start for about half the season um, once Tredavious White went out. But, you know, Dane was a rookie filling in there. He's a second-year guy now. So while he's played well, and he did play well in this game also, it's still a big ask of a fairly inexperienced secondary group as a whole to have to deal with Justin Jefferson and he was a problem all day uh, and he was a problem late but we'll get to that when we get to that to their credit the Bills would respond to that opening drive touchdown and Duke Johnson returned the kick I don't know like 40-50 yards on the ensuing kickoff and then they strung together a nice little drive where, you know, they ran the ball a handful of times and Singletary ends up picking up the touchdown on the drive, which was, you know, really happy for me. Um, I've been wanting to see Singletary get in the end zone all season long. So seeing him actually get some short yardage carries to make that happen was really nice. And the Bills tie the game at seven and they come out, they play defense, they force a punt. After that, um, quick three and out, get the ball back, and then they go do the same thing again, and they have a nice little mix of run and pass, and they work their way down to the one-yard line, and Singletary runs it in again. And so everything is clicking. Everything's looking good. They realize that maybe throwing the ball isn't the way to go, so they started balancing it out, and after three uh, passes on the opening drive, they had eight runs and six passes on the following two drives both touchdowns and then they intercept cousins on the next one and this was uh christian benford that came away with it and they were in minnesota territory already at that point so it looked like they were potentially going to get another touchdown but they still mixed it up and they went three runs three passes they come away with a field goal 17-7 at that point so really you know everything's going okay despite the opening drive uh empty frame vikings get the ball back go down the field kick a field goal 17-10 and this is like the first moment in the game where and not like a bad omen but something that just stuck where it was going to be like oh man this game is going to be hard to win if this kind of stuff is going to be happening and the bills were driving seven plays 63 yards they start at their own 10 they get down uh to the minnesota 43 and singletary has a nice run he gets hit he gets upended and they rule it a fumble on the field and then the ball is returned uh 40 yard return there which was the the really hard part is that they Minnesota returned the ball all the way into field goal range already. And, you know, when it happened live, a lot of people said no fumble. And it was ruled a fumble on the field. The replay showed that when his elbow was down from the hit, he kind of got popped up in the air and he had the ball in his right arm, elbow, left arm bracing for contact his elbows down and what i saw was that it looked like the ball was not 100 percent secure and so when it's ruled a fumble on the field you need inconclusive video evidence to overturn that and so i completely understand that in watching the replay it looks like the ball might be moving a little bit and i mean that's really all you need so i know a lot of people were saying that it wasn't a fumble I think ultimately it was a fumble. They could have ruled it down on the field, but I think there just wasn't an angle to see the football. And the best angle I got made it look like the ball was not 100% secure at the point that his elbow was down. So, I mean, it's a fumble. 
whatever. Fumbles happened. Singletary was playing well. You know, it's football. It's bound to happen sooner or later. But that's when you need the defense that you pay to step it up as well. And so the Vikings got down, and it would, they had a fourth and one at the 28, and they could have kicked the field goal and made it 17-10, but they opted to go for it on fourth and one, and Cousins was incomplete. And Christian Benford was on the defense there too, and he had a really good game despite, you know, not always winning against the best receiver in the league, arguably, and Justin Jefferson. So I think Benford and Dane both played as well as you could have asked them to play in this situation, but the absence of Jordan Poyer... Um, is bigger to this team than it may have looked in some of the other games but it's his field iq his kind of you just feel generalship and uh his ability to kind of know where the quarterback is going i think certain situations like one that happened later in this game just wouldn't be situations that poyer would allow to happen but Nonetheless, the Bills turn them over on downs, 24, or excuse me, 17-10 at that point, and they go five plays and 71 yards uh, for the touchdown. Allen looks good on this drive, hits Davis uh, for a gain of 15, digs for 14. Uh, he had a big scramble right uh, at the beginning of the possession for 25 yards to get him to midfield, and then he finds Gabe Davis for the touchdown. So it's 24-10, you know, Bills are cruising, like despite like the bad fumble and having an empty frame on the, the opening drive, you know, they're looking good. And they come out and they force another three and out to close out the half. And somewhere in this, this final uh, drive from the Vikings at the end of the first half, on a second and 10 where Cousins is throwing to Cook, uh, Tremaine Edmonds, makes a nice tackle, holds him to a two-yard gain. So timeout, third and eight. Cousins looks for uh, Adam Thielen. And again, it's Tremaine Edmonds on the defensive side of this. And I don't know if, I don't remember exactly if he broke it up, but he did have a nice pass breakup. And I think that was it. But there comes a point uh, in the second half where all of a sudden they're reporting that he's not out there. The second half starts and... He is out of the game with a groin injury, but he has two passes defensed at that time. And I know a lot of people like to rag on him, right? It's become popular. A lot of the conversation around him last year was that he's not good. People want him to be a different kind of linebacker than he is. And I will say, like, he's not Ray Lewis. He's not Roquan Smith, he's not Bobby Wagner, he's not Brian Erlacher, but you know, those guys are Hall of Famers. I mean, Roquan isn't there yet, but the three out of the four guys on that list are Hall of Fame linebackers. And Tremaine is still only, what, 24, 25? The Bills picked up his fifth-year option for, I think, 12 million, so they're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place of, this is a good young linebacker, and I will say that, he is good. If you think he's bad, I just will say that I think you're wrong. He just maybe isn't exactly what you expect out of a middle linebacker. Because, like I said, he's not the Ray Lewis mold of linebacker. But he's quick sideline to sideline. His tackling has improved. He's good in pass coverage. And I don't think it's a coincidence that when he went out of this game, the defense fell off pretty hard in the second half like he uh, he pulled his groin or something there near the end uh of that first half in that last vikings drive and he didn't come back out in the second half and as we saw last week against the jets when matt milano wasn't on the field the bills defense struggled and because the bills are a nickel team so much of it relies on these two linebackers being good players, good athletes. Uh, and when one of them is gone, you see it causes a massive problem. And then beyond that, playing in the nickel, like you need really good safety play. And with Poyer not on the field and with Hyde out for the season with the neck injury, we've seen a lot of decline in the safety play. And it's not all on those guys. I mean, 
they're not the starters they're not the pro bowlers that have been there before but they've done uh a good enough job in certain situations but i think you can see the difference between what the bills defense was like at 100 percent and what they're like at you know maybe 60 70 percent maybe a little bit higher than that they did get ed oliver back daquan jones tim settle um, a lot of jordan phillips a lot of guys back in the middle but greg rousseau was also out for this game too so it's just interesting to see that the the general narrative is that Edmonds isn't good but then with uh Dodson in the game who I liked him as an additional signing uh as a depth player and it's not like he even played a poor game but he played half the game and you could see that he is not on Edmonds level so as much as I like Terrell Dodson and I like him as an athlete, realistically, I look at him more of like an outside linebacker. If um, Milano were to get hurt, I think he's a good fit to replace him there. But to be the centerpiece of the defense and to be the play caller and to be that guy, I just I didn't see it in this game. That doesn't mean it isn't there, but I didn't see it in this game. And I did see that with Edmonds out of the game in the second half, their defense fell hard and fast so something to keep an eye on especially if it's a groin injury that could keep him out for an extended period of time but it could also be something where the bills look at that like hey we're up 24 to 10 we're cruising we're totally in control of this game he's got a nagging injury no need to push it at the half kirk cousins was 13 of 22 for 162 with a touchdown and an interception so not terrible but not amazing like you know he threw the pick but he had a good drive early too so kind of a typical Kirk Cousins kind of game uh, but the Bills had completely held the run game in check and uh, Dalvin Cook had four carries for 14 yards and Madison had three for 11 and so they were completely shutting down the Vikings running game but the second half rolls around and that's a drastic shift as the Vikings end up finishing the game with 147 rushing yards granted 81 of that came on Dalvin Cook's one run but when your middle linebacker who's a good sideline to sideline player isn't out there you're asking inexperienced safeties to come up and make tackles and similar to what Jaquan Johnson struggled with in a couple of the most recent weeks bad pursuit angles allowed that run to crack off a little bit longer than maybe it would have been otherwise but Kirk Cousins was the second leading ball carrier on the team I mean Cook only ended up with 14 carries but he had 119 a touchdown and then Cousins had six you know so the Bills mostly did a good job of keeping the run in check, but it was similar to the same stretch last season where they did a good job, but then there was always that long one. Like uh, Derrick Henry did it, Jonathan Taylor did it, Leonard Fournette cracked a big one against them too, all during that same stretch. So it was like seeing that again brought back some bad memories. Um, but again i think it just points to the fact that edmonds is a little bit undervalued in terms of what he actually brings to the field but the bills defense did have 10 tackles for losses uh and i think they all came in the second half maybe not but a lot of them came in the second half all four of the sacks came in the second half so the defense knew they had to play better but i think you know the vikings go into the locker room and they're like well we couldn't really play much worse than we did after that opening drive and they found a way to stick with it and they were able to just hang in there long enough but ultimately i think this is the bills shooting themselves in the foot in the second half because after minnesota gets the ball to start the second half cousins throws his second pick of the day and so the Bills take over at almost at midfield. They're at their own 42 with the football. And they're up 14. And they start that drive with a holding penalty. They get some of it back on a digs catch for 18. So they're facing a second and two. Singletary gets a yard. And now we start to get into 
the the weird play calling because you're up 14 you're at the Minnesota 49 so you're across midfield and you've got a third and one and on this play Josh Allen is sacked for a loss of 13 yards and they call Morse for holding it's third and one play situational football if you feel the need to throw the football in this situation it can't be a multi-step drop you need to snap the ball and get the ball out of there quickly you can't be taking a 13 yard loss on this play and you know i think mitch morris got hit with the hold on this anyway so again it's like you're asking the protection to hold up you've already drawn one holding penalty uh on this drive sorry you haven't drawn it you've been flagged for holding um but again it's third and one here what are you doing exactly what are you trying to do even i think is a better question because you're up 14 you're playing with the lead you're in your opponent's territory so this is a place where you know if you run it on third and one and you don't get it you might even be going for it on fourth down here around midfield and if not you try and cough and corner a punt or something like that but to take this kind of a loss in this position on that third and one is just unacceptable. It was a bad play call. Um, it was a bad play decision, I think, as well. And again, it's like it's becoming a trend. I saw it a lot in the Tennessee game, and it worried me then, was that in third and one situations, uh, the team can't just like line up and get a yard. And I don't know why you have Josh Allen, why you have designed runs in the book. Like, there's so many different ways to just try to get a yard. And dropping back and, you know, having a multi-step drop here just isn't the best way to make that happen. And they paid for it. And even if the sack wouldn't happen, they would have got hit with the hold. And, you know, it'd be third and 11 at that point. So at least they'd have a crack at it. But bad situational football. And then that started to become a trend, and it looked like they were almost going to get away with it because, you know, the Bills' defense came out, they forced the Vikings to punt again, and, you know, 24-10, Bills have the ball halfway through the third quarter. They're up 14 points with six minutes left in the third quarter. And so what do they do? They come out, they're like, okay, we're going to give it to Singletary. Uh, They give it to him on first down. On second down, they get a, a neutral zone infraction automatically converts the first down and then Allen completes a couple of passes cook hits an eight yard run uh josh allen's incomplete duke comes in on third and two duke johnson's in the game hasn't really played for the bills all year it's third and two singletary i guess is still hurt at this point and they come out and they run for no game so it's another third and short situation where they feel like they can't uh, run the football. Or the, I don't know if they know they can't, and maybe that's why they try to throw, but they've got to come up with better designs. They got to get to the edge. They got to pitch it. They got to get their guys in space because playing power run football between the tackles just is not working for them in those situations, and they're going to have to find a way to figure that out. So it's fourth and two. False start draws them back. So they're kicking the field goal here. They might have you know, wanted to go for it on fourth and two, but they were already out in field goal formation. And this is going to play a factor later because it's fourth and two at the Minnesota 22, and they elect to kick the field goal here to make it a 17-point game. Bass comes in, he hits it. So they're up 17. There's less than two minutes left in the third quarter when they give the Vikings the ball back. And on the first play, Dalvin Cook hits that 81-yard touchdown run. So all of a sudden, it's still a 10-point game. And the quarter hasn't expired yet. But nonetheless, the Bills are up 10. That quarter's winding down. They're going to get the ball back. They're going to head into the fourth quarter with a 10-point lead. They should be okay there. But you know what? We're stuck with kind of similar bad situational football. And here we go. Uh, the Bills did end up getting the football uh, with about a minute and a half left to go in the third quarter. They 
they get in trouble. Uh, Spencer Brown gets hit with another holding call on a third and five. So he missed last week, but he's back. You, you look at the game like he played well because he played better than uh, Quisenberry, but he's gotten hit with uh, holding penalties early in drives on both of the Bills' uh, two most recent drives here uh, near the end of the third quarter. And on a third and 15, you know, Allen finds Diggs for 25 yards, bails him out. They go to Diggs for no gain. Then Allen is sacked on a second and 10, so they're in third and 16. And he connects with Davis for 22, but that's a third and 15 and a third and 16 that they had to bail out here early now in the fourth quarter. And the pressure kept coming. I think Minnesota just knew that they needed to sell out to start getting pressure on Allen. So he, he chunked a couple into the dirt, and I think one of them is uh, on this drive as well. Yeah, I'll get to that. Um, he goes, so Josh, after the completion to Gabe to pick up the first down, it's incomplete, thrown away under pressure. Cook picks up seven. Allen finds Diggs again for 16 on the third down conversion. So that's three third down conversions on this drive, so not bad. Um, goes to McKenzie for eight. So it's second and two at the Minnesota seven. And they run a tight end screen here, I think. And the play basically gets destroyed immediately. And I don't even think Dawson Knox gets his head turned around before Allen just dirts the ball at his feet. Uh, and on third and two, the Minnesota seven, are they going to run the ball? Shit, we know they're not going to run the ball. They <laughs> so Josh Allen tries to go short middle to McKenzie, incomplete. Now they're left at fourth and two. Ten point lead, ten minutes left. This field goal that they kicked on the previous possession, you know, that decision to come in and make it a 17-point game is going to loom large because here on 4th and 2 at the Minnesota 7, they opt to go for it. And in the moment, I'm like, okay, they're up 10. If they kick the field goal here, they're up 13. So the difference between being up 10 and up 13 is like still a two-score game. If you make it a 13-point game, they're going to need two touchdowns. So I'm curious if going back to that previous possession, they maybe wanted to go for it on that similar short situation. They just opted to kick the field goal to keep it a three-score game. And then here, it was like the difference between a, a low-end two-score game and a high-end two-score game. And if they could score the touchdown there, they would put it back to a three-score game. And with 10 minutes left, the game's probably out of reach at that point, just because Minnesota would have to get the ball three times and score all three times. So I can sort of understand why they wanted to go for the touchdown there. But at the same time, if that's the case, I think I would have also preferred them to try to go for the touchdown on the previous drive because they were similarly faced with a fourth and short in a similar situation. They are at the 27, you know, here they got down to the seven, so... I get it, but I also don't get it. Ultimately, they decide to go for it. And now we're in the twilight zone because this is more or less the exact same play we saw against Green Bay, the exact same play we saw against the Jets. And now for the third week in a row, it's the same thing down in the red zone. Allen breaks the pocket, scrambles right, doesn't see the defender somewhere lurking and throws a stupid interception and you know happens once it's a mistake happens twice not good you're starting to see some bad habits third time it's a trend and going back to the green bay game you know i felt that the bills got away with a lot in that game and i said at the end of that game it's a good lesson about playing with your food because situationally you know the bills need to close out games better and happen in the jets game happen in this game where they're up multiple scores and they're just not putting games away they're just leaving that door open and sooner or later like a team that's capable that has veteran players and good players is going to find a way to sneak in that door and 
what I worried about in the Green Bay game wasn't so much that this was a, a one-off type of situation. It was more that by playing the kind of football they were playing in the second half in the Green Bay game, that they're getting used to playing football with bad habits. And unfortunately, that has turned out to be the case because we've seen the exact same mistake happen in three games in a row. And I don't know if it's a play calling thing where they're just putting him into the same situation. I don't know if it's the defenses have just zoned in on what they were, what the Packers were able to do and just kind of work their way around that. Um, but we've seen in the last three games, all three of these teams have run for over 100 yards against the Bills. Josh Allen's turned the ball over twice in each of those games. And the Bills um, have not scored a touchdown in the second half in any of the games since coming out of the bye week, which is super alarming for a team that used to dominate the third quarter of football games going into the bye week. So this is... This is a complete inversion of the kind of football that they were playing. And, you know, I was talking to a friend of mine who's also a Bills fan. um, And I I think it was someone online where I said, I I always believe firmly that the really, the truly good teams, like the really great teams, are the ones that know how to make adjustments and make them during the game. Because it's really hard to do. It's hard to, like, break a trend. It's hard to start implementing things that maybe you didn't practice for, especially on like a short week or on the road or things like that. So that's why a lot of that weird shit happens on Thursday night football games. But this is a situation where the Bills have seen the same thing happen. And Green Bay was a really good example of like, these are areas that we need to clean up because if we play like this against a team that's more capable, we're going to lose. And I saw it in that Green Bay game and I was worried that those bad habits would carry over. And I was hopeful that that wasn't going to be the case. I was confident that they could look at that as a, a learning experience and basically count it as a loss because you do learn more from losses than you do from wins. And if anything, these last two games against the Jets and the Vikings have really shown the Bills the blueprint for the things that they need to clean up big time. And, you know, I'm glad to see Josh at least taking responsibility and ownership for his mistakes. You know, last week he's like, it's tough to win when your quarterback plays like shit. And, you know, through the first half of this game, he wasn't playing like shit at all. Through the first half, he was 14 of 18 for 134 yards and a touchdown. He had three scrambles for 46 yards. He was playing perfectly fine in the first half. And in the second half, they get away from the run game. They start asking Josh to play hero ball. I don't know if they're asking him to do it, but by constantly sending in pass plays, especially when your quarterback's arm is messed up, I don't know what you expect to happen there. You're like playing with fire, expecting not to get burned. And so it's a good lesson that, you know what, when you play with fire, you fucking get burned and you need to learn to not play with fire. And maybe it's something that Dorsey as a young uh, offensive coordinator is beginning to learn here, but still was not an ideal situation on that play. Allen's rolling out to his right. Peterson had chased um, McKenzie off to the edge. So McKenzie's out of bounds at this point, and Peterson is just kind of hanging out by the pylon. And Knox is making his way to the back of the end zone, and Josh Allen tries to zip a bullet pass in there, and Peterson's underneath the play and picks it off. And he didn't see him. Like, watching the behind the end zone camera, it's pretty obvious that he just doesn't see Peterson there. And... So that's one thing to not see him. But it's another thing to like just be unaware that like you had a route and a defender heading that direction because he obviously looked off of McKenzie uh, for a reason there. And that's why he was going to go to Knox. But Josh also has to recognize that if he's going to throw that pass, he has to put that like high back corner alley-oop style 
in the corner of the end zone. He can't be throwing something, running right, back to his left, and just expect no issues. Especially after the last two weeks where he's gotten picked off on it twice. So, super frustrating to see that because it's like... I know he's better than that, but yet here he is making the same mistake over and over and over again, and looking in the second half of these games lately, much more like the Josh Allen from a couple of years ago that can't seem to get out of his own way, that is trying to win it all himself, and we'll come back to the, I mean, we'll obviously get to the end of the game here, but the Vikings would capitalize on and they would go down the field and 13 plays 66 yards and they would find the touchdown there and so it's 23 27 there's five minutes left in the game realistically if the Bills just kick a field goal on this drive they're probably going to be okay but that's why the field goal from the last possession looms large because of the timing left in the game uh, so the Bills get the ball back with four and a half minutes left. And they give the ball to Singletary, no gain. But they take like 40 seconds off the clock. Then Diggs gets hit with a false start. So basically best player on the offense, false start. Second and 15, incomplete to Diggs. Third and 15, incomplete to Diggs. So it's like there's so many other things to do than t- besides just throwing the ball to Stephon Diggs and hoping that he's going to bail you out of trouble. And, I mean, he had 16 targets in this game. And, yes, he caught 12 of them for 128 yards. And he honestly had a very good game overall. It's not like he was the reason that the Bills lost. But you've got to be able to go somewhere else. you got to be able to draw something else up, especially on second and 15. Like, you can't just go digs, digs, digs on three plays in a row and hope that the defense doesn't catch on. I mean, he is very good. But, you know, defenses get paid as well. So... Anyway, the Bills end up having to punt on this drive, and they punt the Vikings down to their own 24. And to Minnesota's credit, like the momentum is in their corner, and they're not afraid of the Bills anymore at that point, and they know that this is a winnable game. All they need to do is go down there and score. And with three and a half minutes left, you know, they unfortunately got to work, and they started looking pretty good. And Cousins, you know, as much as I've given Cousins shit over the years... It was never really because I thought that Cousins was not a good player. It was that I feel like Minnesota shot themselves in the foot by giving him a huge contract when they had other issues to deal with. Like, at the time, Minnesota had not gotten to 13-3, and and I think they went to the NFC title game that year. Like, they didn't get there because of having a, a good to above like above average good range quarterback right they had solid quarterback play but they ran the ball they played defense so by bringing in cousins like they were hoping to elevate him but that was a lot of capital to invest in him at the time and they've never gotten back to that level they've only been a playoff team once since then and they did win that playoff game so good for them um but this is by far the best that the vikings have been with kirk cousins and I think maybe just being in the system now, knowing that they have a run game, the defense is a lot improved from last year. I mean, they still give up a lot of points. They gave up 30 in this game, but uh, the defense isn't losing football games for them anymore this season. And Cousins made some really great throws in this game. And he didn't just make some great throws. He hung in the pocket and got obliterated a couple times to make those good throws. So hats off to Kirk Cousins. I got to be honest there I'll give him his props when I give him his props and he's you know the first half of this game it was looking like it was going to be uh you know one of those pedestrian cousins games where he comes out throws a touchdown doesn't really do much throws a pick mediocre um but he played well he played a really good second half and I, I can't take that away from him and he just started finding some of the soft spots in that Bills uh depleted secondary And I think they got to the point where it's like when they were down 17, it's like, really, what do we have to lose? Right. And they started playing like that and the bills weren't able to respond and they get down here and they put together 75 yard, 12 play drive. They get all the way down to third and goal at the six, uh, cousins hits Jefferson on a slant. They initially rule it a touchdown, but he was down short. 
So Bills take their timeout. There's 57 seconds left in the game. And all of a sudden, it's like fourth and goal at the one. You know, had, had Minnesota scored there and made it 30 27 uh, on the slant, there's a minute left. The clock automatically stops. The Bills will still have a timeout and a minute. Uh, and they'll be down three, so there would still be opportunity for them to go win the game. But as it shakes out, he gets ruled down at the one. And then they, on fourth and goal at the one, the Bills get hit with an offsides penalty, which, you know, it was on a play where they absolutely stuffed the play, too. So it made it even worse because rather than a fourth and goal stop where they're out like around maybe the two, this is half the distance to the goal. And Minnesota gets to run one play on fourth and goal with the game on the line. And, you know, they tried a quarterback sneak here, and it looked initially like they got it. It was really close, but upon replay, you can see that Cousins' shoulder is down. His knees might have even been down, but you couldn't see it on replay. So Cousins' shoulder is down. He's down at the half-yard line. And the Bills take over. And so... There's 40 seconds left in the game. The Bills are up 27-23. And they really don't have a ton of room to operate. But from your own end zone, up four, what are you going to do here? Because, you know, if you try to run the ball and they get a stuff, that's a safety if you drop back and get sacked, that's a safety. If the f if you get sack fumbled or something happens and that goes out the back of the end zone, that's a safety. So realistically, a safety is a pretty high probability scenario in this situation because the Bills had the ball on the inch line. It was just outside of the end zone. So realistically, there's a good chance there's going to be a safety if they try to run the football, especially in a short yard situation where the defense knows it's coming because that is typical of the Bills. It's very hard for them to get those uh, carries for positive yards. So, all right, you rule that out. You don't want to do that. Uh, do you want to maybe risk a pitch play to the edge where you could get your running back in some one-on-one -on -one space? Maybe, but that ball's going to be loose and then it's a fumble while it's in the air. While it's moving backwards, it's a live football. So if that isn't handled correctly, that's a fumble in the end zone. Could be a touchdown. Not necessarily a good thing either. Do you want to drop back and try and throw the ball quickly here? Because if they get a sack and they strip it from you, it's a fumble. No, maybe not. So realistically, with 40 seconds left, what do you want to do here? Because Minnesota has a timeout. Running the ball is dangerous. Throwing the ball is dangerous. The, the strategic move is to take the safety, kick the ball away, play defense while your opponent has one timeout, and force them to try to get into field goal range in your home building where it's snowing and the conditions aren't great outside. And we've seen other teams this season do this, where the smart thing to do in that situation is to take the safety and instead we get the bills lining up under center and josh is trying to run a quarterback sneak and it's the exact same thing as the tennessee game last year but in reverse where instead of being on the opponent's goal line they're on their own and they're trying to rush and make this happen quickly and the handoff is f fumbled and the loose ball is recovered by Minnesota for the touchdown. So I hated this play call because the quarterback sneak doesn't really net you anything situationally that you weren't already dealing with. Okay, maybe he gets that and he falls forward for a yard or two. So it's second and nine or eight from inside your own two yard line still. Like you're still almost in the exact same situation. So it's even more beneficial for you to just take the safety there make it a two-point game kick the ball away and trust your defense i know your defense has struggled but your defense gets paid too they came up with all their sacks in the second half you got von miller like let your guys go out there and try to make a play for you here and i think maybe the coaching staff was traumatized because 
of that fourth and 18 catch by Justin Jefferson on this drive from Minnesota to get down to the goal line. The Bills basically had the game won. They come up with Von Miller, Sachs Cousins to go from a third and 18 to a fourth and 18 at the two-minute warning. And Cousins heaves the ball to Jefferson. Cam Lewis goes up, catches the ball, it looks like, but Jefferson's got his hand in there. Looks like he's going to rip it away. It looks like an interception all the way until it hits the ground. And then Justin Jefferson gets up with the football. And, you know, it's one of those moments of disbelief. It's like the DeAndre Hopkins, uh, the Hale Murray catch. It's just one of those plays where it's like, what the hell just happened? How is this possible? And that was all the momentum they needed to get down to where they did. And then even after the stop, the Bills do them a favor by running that short yardage play from their own goal line. Because it was a situation where, you know, you might as well have just let Minnesota score if you were going to you know, try and risk it from your own end zone. Like, let them score and go up three and then get the ball back, save your time out there, and you'll have an extra timeout, and you'll have the minute to go down and kick the field goal to tie it. I mean, ultimately, you know, the way that went down was very shitty uh, and horrible to watch, but the Bills do get the ball, they do drive down, they do get into field goal range, and Bass hits it, and they're tied and go into overtime. So naturally, they lose the coin toss in overtime because it's Murphy's Law. So everything that could go wrong is going to go wrong. And they give the ball to Minnesota first, but they manage to get a stop. On third and 15, they get it incomplete to Cousins. They have to kick a field goal. So all things considered, the Bills are going to have the ball in overtime with a chance to win the game on the touchdown. Uh... And really, I said this last week and the week before, and it's something that I do believe, like, sure, I want the Bills to go out there and dominate and to look great and to never have the games in question. But I think ultimately, the only thing I really want is for the Bills to have the ball at the end of the game with a chance to win, because that means they're in it. And as long as they have a chance and they have good players, they're always going to have an opportunity to win football games. And so here we are. It's overtime. The Bills have the football have six plays they go 52 yards and on first down Allen sees that the defense is playing coverage scrambles for 18 yards great they go from the 28 to the 46 first and 10 at the 46 what does he do on the next play same thing he sees the defense is taking everything away so he's going to scramble goes down to the Minnesota 34 for 20 yards so right there you're at the 34 you're probably in bass field goal range uh but it's first and 10 he hits Diggs for seven yards, so set up a second and three at the Minnesota 27 with two minutes. They're at the warning. Second and three, he completes to Diggs again for seven yards again, and it's first down. So first and down to Minnesota 20. Well within field goal range. Minute 25 left on the clock. Clock is running. I think you need to play yourself into a situation here where you know the clock is on your side and you'd rather score your touchdown <clears throat> with time expiring than trying to force it and so it's another situation where I think the play calling was bad and it's something that Dorsey's going to have to deal with after this game uh, and I'm sure he had another meltdown up in the box because I would be having a meltdown if I were him too but regardless here first and 10 at the Minnesota 20 minute 25 left in overtime they want to throw the ball okay I get it but it's first and 10 at the 20 you don't have to run a 25-yard route into the end zone. So in this situation, I think initially Allen wanted to go like short left. I forgot who it was in the flat over there, but it looked like he wanted to throw something underneath, just get a handful of yards and go out of bounds, but he saw that he was going to get Knox one-on-one in the end zone. He threw a good ball to Knox. The pass was well defended, and I'm not necessarily even angry with him there. He, You know, you got Dawson Knox. That's your guy. You believe that he's going to win you that one-on-one battle. Good play by the defense is what it is. But now it's second and 10. The clock has stopped at that point. Uh, Still at the Minnesota 20. This is a play where you can run the ball. You can throw it underneath. You can do a lot of different things. But when you watch the replay, you've got three routes all in the end zone, basically between the hashes. So not only are basically three of your five options all 20 yards downfield, 
but they're all within like 10 yards of each other left to right. And looking at the replay, it's even more frustrating, but there's, uh, there's no really like safety valve for him on this play besides just taking it down and running, but he drops back. He sees where he wants to go with the football and McKenzie's underneath kind of running a comeback route over the middle. And if he hits McKenzie there, they'll pick up the first down and they'll be inside the 10 yard line. Maybe even if it doesn't score, uh, he was wide open. And then right behind that, you have Gabe Davis and he's open at the time too, but Allen's sitting on that ball for a while. Like he's thinking too much about what he wants to do. So your, your first option is if the read isn't there, take off and run and just get some of that, get some of that yardage on a second and 10 there and make it an easier decision for you on third down. Your second option is, hey, you drop back, you're staring at these two routes, just fire the ball to one of them because they were both open at a time. And what he ends up doing is waiting. And I don't know if he was waiting for McKenzie to like clear out of the way so that it wasn't tipped or something like that because the, the levels of that route kind of had McKenzie in front of Davis. And so if he throws a laser trying to fit it into Davis and McKenzie thinks it's for him and it bounces off his hands or off his face or something like that and popped up in the air in interception, worst case scenario so I, I could see Allen maybe like okay I just want to wait him wait for him to get out of the way but then again this is Patrick Peterson he's got inside leverage on the route the only place that this football can be is like the base of the crossbar of the goalpost like it has to be high back end zone where only Davis can go up and make a play on it you can't try and thread that needle with a the laser there and what happens Patrick Peterson's underneath that route he picks it off game over and, you know, there was points in the fourth quarter in this game where I'm like, the Bills deserve to lose. Like, they're not playing to win this game. And I, I, I was kind of already expecting it. Just some situations late in the game, I was like, man, they're going to they're gonna lose this game. They're messing around and doing the wrong kind of stuff at the wrong times. And there's just stuff pointing in the direction of them losing. So I was already kind of starting to, like, process it. But, man, it still was a game that just observers on the outside are like wow what a game that was and it's like nah that shit sucked like if you're a Bills fan that game sucked because that's a 17 point blown lead in the second half at home in a game where you didn't score a touchdown in the second half again for the third week in a row like this was not a good game like I could see it was entertaining for people that aren't really a fan of either team and you know my girlfriend's mom came over and she's like yeah i was at my parents house and my dad was watching the football game and it, it was such an entertaining game and i was like mm, zip it i don't want to hear it right now uh no i didn't actually say that but it went through my head because it was a frustrating game like to be in this position again third week in a row kind of the, the same shit happening and to just see that they're not fixing it i think is the most frustrating part because it's like I know the Bills are a good team. I know they have talent. I know that they can win games. I know that this is a game that they should have won again. But something has to change in practice because what they're practicing to do on the field is not good situational football. And we've seen that. You know, I think they got away with it in a couple of games, especially against Green Bay. But what we've seen over the last three weeks is that in situations where as fans, what we're looking at is we want the Bills to win, right? So we're looking at it like, how do you get to a W the easiest? And the Bills, I don't know how they're looking at it. I know that they do want to win the football game. I'm not saying that they're going out there to lose, but there's a lot of other stuff going on. It looks like they're trying to work out some kinks in the offense, you know, similar to what's going on with the Bucks a little bit. Like, they're, they were struggling in certain situations, and sometimes in certain games, it looked like they weren't trying to win. It looked like they were trying to figure out what they wanted to do and who they wanted to be. And when you're up 17, I think it's maybe a little bit easy to get into the, okay, let's experiment a little bit stage, and let's maybe try some things that we wouldn't otherwise try because we feel comfortable and we have the lead here and our defense is playing well, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But... I, my plea for the coaching staff would be that just win the game that's in front of you. Just 
focus on the end game. And if the end game is winning, you need to be better about your situational decision making and putting your team in better positions for success. Practice all the crazy crap you want to do uh, when you want to practice. Like the Bills didn't even run any trick plays or anything. It's not even that. It's just you go from having 15 running plays and 21 passing plays in the first half. So a nice solid balance to help out your quarterback whose arm is injured, who almost didn't play this week, who everyone feared was going to be gone for the season. You gave him some balance, but then in the second half, you run the ball eight times and you call in another 23 pass plays. And one thing that I have held firm on over the course of me doing this show and writing about the Bills is that when the Bills send in 50 pass plays or more, they lose every single time. And guess what? 43 official passing attempts, five scrambles, two sacks. What does that up to? 50 pass plays called, and they lose again. And they gave up over 100 yards on the ground. So there's a lot of things that are very common in all of their losses. And I just don't understand Ken Dorsey and Sean McDermott. I mean, I understand Dorsey being like, these are the plays that I want to run. If Josh says he's healthy, he's healthy. I don't want to limit the playbook. That I understand. As Sean McDermott, you need to bring that in a little bit because this is your franchise guy. If he hurts his arm in this game, like what happens to you as the coach, like with the fan base, with the ownership, all of that. And to to approve a game plan where you're going to call 50 pass plays for a guy whose arm is in jeopardy is it's bad coaching straight up i mean i like mcdermott i like dorsey i think these guys are good coaches i feel like this game plan was a very bad game plan for this particular game and if you look at what happened in the first half like 14 of 18 134 and a touchdown three scrambles 46 yards second half goes 13 of 21 for 196 no touchdowns a pick and then in overtime two of four with an interception and two scrambles so you just basically told Minnesota, this is what we're going to do. We're just going to keep throwing the ball because Allen's our guy. And they just couldn't get off of that. And I get it. Like Singletary finished the game with 13 carries for 47 yards. So like not monstrous success on the ground, but they had enough success on the ground to stick with it. And even if you wanted to run Josh some more, that's fine. Like maybe call a pass play and tell Josh, like what we really want you to do is just look for a run here, you know? just conserve your arm a little bit there was no need for them to throw the ball 43 times in this game 43 pass attempts but yes at least 50 passes called a couple of them were drawn back on holding penalties too so if you really want to look at the total volume of passing plays that was sent in it was definitely over 50 five of six of josh's carries were scrambles so not even one design quarterback run other than the quarterback sneak that he fumbled in the end zone so again it's a philosophy thing like seriously if you're the bills coaching staff i think you need to look in the mirror after this game and be like what were we doing because we're up 17 at home in the second half and i'm pretty sure if i read it correctly they were up 17 more than midway through the third quarter at home so really in the fourth quarter what are you doing because it didn't seem like you were trying to win the football game because if you were really trying to win the football game, you'd be turning around and handing the ball off or you'd be dialing up some uh, designed run plays for Josh like you had in the New York game, which you didn't do in this game. So yeah, when they made it 27-10, there was less than two minutes left in the third quarter. So to blow a 17-point lead with about 16 minutes left in the game is terrible. It's honestly inexcusable for this coaching staff to allow that to happen because it happened on so many different levels, you know? And I was saying this last night after the game, I was talking to my girlfriend about like what happened, why I was bummed, like just moving forward. Like my whole life doesn't revolve around the Bills winning football games, but it's better when they are winning. That's for sure. Um, but what I said to her was like, I don't want the Bills to win the Super Bowl for me. I want the Bills to win the Super Bowl for themselves, for the fans in Buffalo, for that city, 
Like, I care about this team as a group of players that have come from a really bad spot uh, historically and have gotten to the level where they are considered among the upper echelon of teams and they have a chance to win a championship, which has never been done by that organization, which hasn't been done in the city, etc. So really what I want for them is for them to win for themselves, not for me. I think that is where they need to find their motivation because what they did in the final 17 minutes of this game didn't reflect to me a team that was trying to win the game that's in front of them. And I don't know what is going to come next. I do believe that this team is good. I believe that they're capable of winning a Super Bowl. I believe in Coach McDermott and that they're going to get their head screwed on right. But philosophically, they need to approach endgame situations a lot differently because they're going to be in situations like this again and you don't want to end up blowing a 17-point lead. I mean, I get it. Like, Edmonds is out. You're dealing with a whole different secondary. There's a lot of reasons that this thing ended up happening. But, you know, there were so many different opportunities to put this game away, and they didn't. And I think that's really the frustrating part. You know, it is what it is, though. You got to look forward to the next one, or at least look ahead to the next one. I know a lot of Bills fans are not looking forward to that next game after this just happened, but they're a good team and they're not playing like it right now. They were in this same boat last season, so I think that everybody should remember that, that it does happen. I never expected the Bills to be an undefeated team. I think realistically 13 and 4, 12 and 5 ish was what I was hoping for, and I felt that that would be good enough to win the division. It doesn't look like it's going to be good enough to win the AFC anymore. But in talking to my friend Jeff, who is the host of the Let It Ride podcast, what I said to him was, to me, it doesn't matter. Like, if I really believe in this team and that they're the best team, it doesn't matter where they play. It doesn't matter if they have the number one seed. Like, that's irrelevant to me. Just get in the tournament, be playing well late in the season. And for me personally, I'd much rather see them go into Kansas City in the AFC title game and stomp Kansas City in KC versus them winning in Buffalo. I know it'd be great for the fans in Buffalo to get that win there, so I'm not like completely against it. If they get the number one seed and they hold on and that game has to go through Buffalo, that's great. But just look at last season. Both of the number one seeds got eliminated in their first game. The number one seed sucks. You don't want the number one seed because you take that bye week when all the other teams are playing for their football life and you're like resting on your laurels like that's not good it's you know wildcard team wins the super bowl quite a lot so i think i just want the bills to be playing well at the right time of the season i would prefer them to be playing well all season but realistically like play well late in the year do what you got to do to get in the playoffs win the division if possible but you know i'm still i'm still a believer i know this team is capable of much better than what we saw and I think just it's going to they're going to have to get together as a group, both the coaches and the players and be like, this is what we're trying to achieve. We got to be better as coaches. You as the guys on the field have to be better in terms of some of your decision making. And I think that will gel overall. But I know that these guys as a unit care about each other a lot and they've been building something here for several years. I don't think this is like the sign of the end of times or anything for them. So if you're listening to this, just have faith. You know, it's it sucks in the moment for sure. You know, I had a friend, Canadian friend, who <laughs> came down from Canada to be at that game. And, you know, it was a really long day for him and then ended up getting home and was just like, man, that traumatized me. I was just so disgruntled and frustrated on the way home. And I was like, I totally get it. I understand. And like for you to spend so much of your time to go to that game and then to kind of see them be so cavalier towards the end and not really respect that the Vikings were good enough to do that to them, even though the Vikings have done that to a lot of teams. So I don't know if it was a matter of them disrespecting their opponent, but like I said, with that Green Bay game, that was an instance of like, you got to learn to not play with your food 
and they seem to have not learned that lesson because they did it with the Jets. They did it again here with the Vikings. They lost both of those games. And now, you know, they're in the shits. They're deep in the shits because they're no longer first place in their own division. They're not first in the AFC anymore. And they're going to play the Browns next week. And one thing the Browns do really well is run the football. So that's going to be... That's going to be a problem. And I just hope that they can figure out what they need to figure out before that game rolls around. And really, it's going to be looking in the mirror, personal responsibility uh, at all levels of accountability, and hopefully getting some guys healthy. If they could get Poyer and Trey back and Edmonds all in the lineup next week, that's a big boost. It's a little unfortunate to see that like a couple of starters are out and all of a sudden like the the defense struggles big time. I mean, Cam Lewis even played well for most of the game other than like he's going to be the scapegoat because of the Justin Jefferson catch, but ugh, is what it is. Uh, it's time to just like put a nail on this one and move on. I wasn't looking forward to like jumping back in here and reliving all this, but at the same time, I do come out of the other end of the tunnel slightly muddied but still looking forward, still a believer in what this team is truly capable of. And I think for, you know, two quarters and 13 minutes, we saw that, you know, the game was 27-10. They were dominating a 7-1 and team. And if the Bills had beaten this Vikings team, I think the narrative probably would have been like, well, the Vikings haven't beaten anybody good yet. And that's why they're 7-1. and And while I think that's true, I think they're also 7-1 and one because they don't give up on themselves. And I want to give the Vikings credit because they deserve it. They found a way to hang in that game. They, they fought and they clawed and they scratched their way all the way till the end. And so as much as it pains me, I think this is ultimately a good loss for the Bills because they're going to have to learn from this. And if three games in a row of the same shit doesn't give them what they need to make the proper adjustments then i i really don't know because if they fall to six and four i mean obviously they still have a winning record i think they were at seven and five last year at some point too so it was like they they were in a rough patch last year during the same stretch so it's not something i'm entirely uh, unprepared for but it's something that i would prefer to not see happen and i really i really want to see them just play a good second half i'd rather see them play correctly and lose to a team that's just better versus watching them shoot themselves in the foot over and over again and just allowing a team that they were dominating to get back in the game and beat them that's the frustrating part but anyway it's on to week 11 i gotta write about this now too which is going to be equally as painful so i'm gonna get out of here it's already been an hour i didn't think i was gonna do an hour but when the bills lose and there's more to talk about there's always a longer show. So if you made it this far, I appreciate that. Thank you for listening. I hope listening to me vent has been cathartic in some way. I hope if you were down in the dumps and maybe feeling like your faith is uh, drying up for this team, I hope that the sound of my voice has helped you see the light at the end of the tunnel and know that it is not a train coming i'll be back i'm gonna keep doing this obviously i like doing this this is the one thing this is like my passion project the thing i do just because i love it even though it's super time consuming so if you listened thanks so much take care of yourselves keep your head up and it's always go bills Thanks to everyone who took the time to listen to this episode. I still believe that word of mouth is the best way to help, so if you enjoyed it, please tell somebody. But liking, subscribing, and sharing go a long way too. This show is an extension of thescheist.com, and you can contact me at info at or at scheistpodcast on Twitter. And until next time, be well, stay safe, and go Bills!